Hello, and welcome to episode 124 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Pale Robbie. Rob Steinman, Pale Robbie. I don't know! Alright, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie All on right. the boards. Got it. You'd think I'd never done this before. No. Joining me today, we have Derek Zelda Sucks Heemsbergen. You know what? You can just shut the hell up. <laughs> You can't I just, just want put to, your opinion on me. I just want to put all the hate on you. <laughs> I think you're full of shit, but we'll talk uh, about it. <laughs> I think you're I think you're my flame shield, uh if that makes sense. Uh oh, yeah. then then we also have uh Caitlin Horizon is better than Zelda Argyros. <laughs> God damn, man. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll I'll totally uh I will one hundred percent own them to that moniker because yes, that is true. Oh boy, here we go. And then uh Robert that's eh, okay, Fenner. What can I say? <laughs> it's all but, right by me. But he's more than okay. He's fantastic. Okay. Oh, well, you. Well, I meant his. His. Uh, I just was going for his own motif. So, right. uh, before we start talking about the games, obviously, we got some people that got the Switch, the Nintendo Switch, and uh, I just want to talk about this piece of technology real quick because, you know, we, we saw it back when they first did the big reveal. I want to say that was back in January where they did, like, the huge reveal, the huge live stream where I was, like, losing my mind and the internet was giving a collective, like, you know, they impressive. That still irritates me. Yeah, and, and I'm like, you got a Xenoblade 2. What the hell do you ha- guys have to complain yeah, about right exactly. now? Like, but, you know, whatever. Like, they could have just stopped there. Um, So I get it, and I plug it in, and I'm really impressed with it as a piece of technology. Like, I've had some issues here and there that I'm hoping Nintendo can work on, or I might have to get another Switch at some point, because uh, it might be hardware wireless problems. But overall, this thing does exactly what it's supposed to do. It, it turns into a handheld console very quickly. It is very comfortable to play on my 50-inch plasma screen. Also, major kudos to Nintendo for having a UI in Zelda that I can actually read. I'm in I'm I'm enjoying that very much, like the Final Fantasy 15 UI, where I have to like get up and walk to the TV and sort of like... <laughs> reading this small-ass text. I really appreciate that in Zelda. But it really does what it's supposed to do, and it feels like I'm holding a premium product. I think that's the thing that I can't get over. Like, this thing does not feel cheap at all. I agree. And it's not. (laughs) No, no, no. no, But, but like, the Wii U kind of feels like a toy. Yeah, the gamepad. I would agree with that, yeah. Yeah. Design-wise, I think the Switch feels a lot more stable, solid, sort of, like... It's more future tech. I mean, it includes more future tech, but yeah. Do you, are you guys having trouble with uh, the the Joy Cons on the Switch? Like, I find that it is maybe a little uncomfortable. I have very small hands, so I feel like this thing is actually made for me. But like, if I'm trying to use the two analog sticks, I find that it's a little uncomfortable. Like, I've got a little bit of a claw grip, and then also that I, I've really got to figure out how to use those analog sticks when I'm aiming in Zelda, because, like, trying to fire a bow just feels so uncomfortable. Like, I can't get that minute change in movement. Like, I feel like I'm overcorrecting too much. How are you guys mm-hmm. feeling about that? I feel like I'd had, I would have more trouble if there wasn't the gyroscope, and normally I'm not a huge advocate of motion control, but recently this, and I can't remember what other game I was playing recently that used, like, gyro control. Oh, uh, Gravity Rush 2 use gyro controls to more minutely aim where you're going in that game, so Zelda does that as well. I find that that actually is perfect. Uh, I guess a lot of people, uh, people that I've talked to uh, have said that they've all turned that off immediately. I never look back. 
Yeah, no, I, th I think it's great. I think it's perfect. Yeah. But I might be having the same problem as you, Rob, if I had. Yeah, I tried turning that off at first because usually I get turned off by that for aiming. But uh, then it kind of sucked, actually, not having it off, uh, not having it on. So then I turned it back on and I've gotten used to it in Zelda. So, so it works. Yeah, um, I want to I give it another shot. I want to try that out again. I think it's one of those um, sort of knee-jerk impulses you have to resist for once, because I, I did the same thing. I was like, eh, I don't want it, but then realized that it actually worked pretty well. So do perhaps want it's just never uh, executed as well as it needs to be, and this is an example of it being like, oh, okay, I'm cool with it. Yeah, and, and I like the interface. You know, the UI is very basic on it right now, but I, I like how clean it is. I, I love yeah. the Switch sounds. I love the sounds. Like, yes. It, it just – it. And the seamlessness for the, the sleep mode, because I don't know about you guys, but I just keep this thing in sleep mode all day. Yeah. When I want to switch over to playing like a PlayStation 4 game, you know, like I'm playing Yakuza 0 and I'll press the PlayStation button, I have to sign in. And then it has like the, that initial load of like, okay, I'm looking at uh, Kiryu's wonderful face. And then I get to play some Yakuza. It is like seamless on the Switch, even in the docking mode, even in the TV mode, like you are playing Zelda in like a second and a half. Mm -hmm. That's really, really impressive. Yeah, it actually does what they promised it would. Because a lot of the time you see these tech concepts and mm -hmm. you think, oh my God, that's going to be so awesome. And then once you have it in your hands, there's like the, the little uh, caveats here and there, like low times of one or two second every once in a while. And those really add up. Like, so having the Nintendo Switch quickly boot, I mean, it really is just a couple of seconds. I mean, from the time you press the home button, you know, the screen is on and it's ready to go. And then once you dock it, it's like, what, a second and a half? So it, mm -hmm. it really does deliver that promise. So I'm, yeah. I'm really pleased with that at the very least. And I mean, like, the first time that you switch <laughs> from uh, docked, you know, from your TV to having it in handheld, and it's right there, and then there's, there's like, no lag whatsoever, and you're just, you're immediately playing, and it's exactly the way that it, they showed it to you when they had that little teaser trailer, and you're like, holy crap, I lost my, my, can I, can I, can yeah, I, you can lost I, your can shit. you lost your shit, I lost my shit, yeah, yeah. You're okay. Okay. I, I really, that, that was a magical moment, and I don't works. really, and that for, it was a magical moment, and for, for, for it to be Nintendo, for me, because you know, you guys know, I'm not a huge Nintendo fan, so I, uh, I am like, you know, huge kudos to Nintendo for making that happen. I've actually been using it more in handheld mode than anything, just because of the, the convenience of it, um, I'm, when I'm watching TV and during commercials, it's been really nice just to have it and to play for a few minutes while I'm waiting for my TV show to come back. Or if mm -hmm. I'm like Derek, if I'm waiting for a farm group and 14 to, to get together, I'm playing <laughs> Zelda while I'm waiting for a Zervan farm to come PTSD. together. And it's great. No, so, thank you. No more of that. How many I love it. How many of these things? So I, I was filling up my uh, E3 credentials today because you know I finally decided, yeah, okay, I'll go to E3. You know, ah, you twisted my arm enough. Okay, it's time to go. Oh, poor and, baby. Well, I, I don't know. I was I was kind of like mixed on it. You know, thinking about saving money, but you know, as Jackie was pointing out, this is kind of like my one real trip of the year, my one chance to like get out of the house for a week. Uh, but like, how many switches are we gonna see at E3? Because you know, back <laughs> my, at my first E3, it was all PlayStation Vitas and everybody playing Persona 4. Like that was just what everybody was doing. 
there are going to be like a million switches at E3. Like it, it's going to be out of control. And I think, you know, as that library starts to get more impressive, you know, uh, the other day we had uh, Blaster Master Zero released, which is getting great reviews. Which is great. I, I, I want to. I'm going to pick that up. Uh, you know, I'm a big Binding of Isaac fan, and I'm trying to justify yes. shelling out 40 bucks to play that on the Switch. If that Switch can turn into the indie game platform of choice, like I, I've said it before, I really want to play Invisible Ink, but I want to play it on a handheld. Like, I don't want to play that on my PlayStation 4. I want to play that in handheld mo- mode and be able to, like, walk around and get a few turns in. If they start releasing stuff for that, stuff like that for the Switch, I think that's what really can make or break this console. Mm. And people have said that it's very easy to develop for so far. So if this can turn into an indie game, like, warehouse, who boy. Like, yeah, like, maybe some of those indies that um, were intended to be on Vita but ended up getting canceled due to programming problems, like Enter the Gungeon or or Not a Hero. Or I saw that um, Momodora 4 just came to PS4, and um, yeah. I was talking with my friend that that would be a really, really good fit for the Switch, like a, a nice companion to Shovel Knight. How how's the battery life, Derek? When you're playing Blaster Master, like, because we we know that the game only gets about two and a half hours of juice for playing Zelda, and they were like, well, less intensive games, you'll be able to play longer. Have you noticed anything like that uh, when it comes um, to Blaster Master? I haven't played Blaster Master on handheld mode for more than like thirty to forty five minutes in one go, so okay. I, I didn't really I didn't check the battery life. Okay, I would hope that it would. I would hope it would do way better in that mode. Like when it's playing an indie game, I would really hope so. Because you know, two and a half hours isn't terrible. I think people are forgetting how bad the battery life was on the 3DS at first. But uh, you know, like you would want the smaller games to maybe last longer on it. But it's it's an impressive piece of technology, and I'm I'm super excited for Nintendo. You know, I can't. Uh, E3 is going to be insane. Like if they have you know a playable demo of Xenoblade 2, like. Yeah, it's still scheduled for this year. And I'll, yeah. I'll tell you one thing with the the Switch. Previously, I I would always go for PlayStation Four if I had a choice of platform on anything, because I wouldn't say I'm necessarily like a trophy hunter with most games, but I like trophies a lot and that they give me additional sort of meta challenges to complete within games as long as they're handled well. Um, and I think that they can extend the life of a game if if you're already enjoying it, then it can give you good um, incentives to keep playing for longer. But so typically I go for PlayStation 4 and anything, but but now that I have a Switch, this is the first time in years that I've ever been like, you know what, I feel like I want to make my primary purchases on my Switch now because yeah. Yeah. the convenience of, of being able to take it on the go alone is, is enough. It's worth it. Because yeah. I already own Shovel Knight twice over, and I got it a third time for Switch. <laughs> I, I, I want to be able to take it with me, and I've already yeah. done it several times. It's just that, per- that It just one- works. One thing I am a little worried about is the developers of Rhyme came out and said that the Switch version is going to cost $10 more, and when they got pressed on that a little bit, they they intimated that that was because of the construction cost of the Nintendo Switch cartridges. So I really hope that that's an outlier, because if all of a sudden the Switch versions end up costing more because of manufacturing costs, that's a killer. Like, that's something Nintendo needs to very quickly get in front of, because you can't have, like, oh, we're going to have Shovel Knight over here on the Switch for $25, and I'm just making numbers up, and on the PC, $15. Like, that's that's a bad thing. Like, that's where the convenience is not going to weigh out the cost in my head. 
Is Rhyme coming out physical anywhere else? I thought it was like uh, digital uh, I only. I don't know. It's just it, oh. it's one of those things where this is the first game that's kind of it, it's getting attached with the oh it costs more on the Switch and well, that you have to pay slightly extra to get a physical copy. I mean, I guess that's, that's kind true. of understandable, but yeah, that is troubling. Yeah, and and like forty bucks for Binding of Isaac is maybe just that's a ten. lot. Yeah, that's ten bucks too much. Like that, like if that was thirty dollars, I think I would instantly do it, no problems. But at at forty, uh, I don't it know. With all the expansions, right? It does, but I just, you know, I already own it, and and I, I'm very, I, I don't want to rebuy things. I really don't. Like says the guy who, when they come out with like the Resident Evil remake on the Switch, I'm gonna end up buying it. Yeah. I'm an idiot. But like, yeah. You yeah, say we, that now, but if Atlas went back and said, oh, we changed our minds, we're going to port Persona 5 to Switch. I think I'd, probably, I think I'd play it on the Switch. Oh, <laughs> really? you would. I would, too. Like, I, 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 would. I, I didn't really, I didn't bat an eyelash when they said, we're not going to port it to Switch. And I was like, oh, I don't care. But now, after I have my Switch, I'm yeah. actually kind of disappointed because, I mean, because I would buy it on both systems day one if they we're releasing it because now that I have my Switch, I really desperately want to play it on the go. Yeah, the, the digital the digital foundry look at uh, Dragon Quest Heroes 2, though, that has me a little concerned. Apparently, the Switch version uh, doesn't run all that great, uh, and we're, well. we're expecting that, but like 60 frames per second on PlayStation 4 versus having trouble maintaining 30 on Switch. I hope that's just bad game developers and not indicative of like, I want to play Dragon Quest 11 on this thing, but if it's going to be a far inferior version, I'm going to have to pass. Well, we're talking about Omega Force and uh, Koei Tecmo here rather than you right. know, the, the Dragon Quest team. And it's, and, you know, I think Heroes has been out for like a year or so in Japan, maybe two years, I want to say. Uh, yeah, Heroes has, and then Heroes 2 came out pretty recently. Yeah, so it seems like this is a quick and dirty port. Yeah, so. I hope that's, I really, really hope that's the case. But, like, I, I'm going to wait to see, like, I, I started playing uh, Dragon Quest V, uh, and I'm once again back in Dragon Quest, because I love Dragon Quest. Good game. And, uh, I, I'm enjoying it so far, man. My dad just kind of left me like an asshole to just fend for myself in a cave. Like, <laughs> way to go, dick. Like, come on, son, I'm going to make a man out of you. And there's just this training montage of me beating up slimes. Uh, but, like... If the Switch version of Dragon Quest XI is not as you know pretty or vibrant or it runs bad compared to the 4, I'm going to get it on PlayStation 4. Here's the real killer. What if the Switch version comes with both the 3DS version and the big console version of Dragon Quest? Yeah, they like money too much for oh that. Oh my god, but I would give them so much. I'd buy an $80 version of that game in a heartbeat. Oh, I would what too. If, what if the Switch version is just the low-tech version? Yes! <laughs> Cool well, they've talked about being able to go back. They briefly talked about the director, Yuji Hori, said, you know, I would love for you to be able to go back and forth between the handheld version and the console version. And I'm like, Switch says hi? Like, this is the one that can do it, right? Uh, so I, don't, I think the Switch is very, very exciting. I think this E3, not necessarily make or break for it, but I want to see what all does Nintendo have cooking right now. I think it's pretty obvious mm. that they got this thing out the door Quickly, I mean, I, I've run into some wireless issues here and there, and you know, I think they're going to end up having a left Joy-Con recall at some point. I really do, and they'll probably give you a little coffin, and you put your Joy-Con in, and then you get a new, 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 new Joy-Con back. Uh, but they're, 
They perform a seance. One Joy-Con never used. The saddest, uh, saddest ad. Saddest story I, ever told. <laughs> I, I honestly think they're going to have to do something like that because the the press about it's been pretty bad and it's not getting any better. Uh, but overall, as a launch, I'm very impressed with it. And if they can start bringing out some quality games for it, if the indie developers really take over on this, like this is going to be really, really impressive. And in a way where, like, Rogue Legacy on the Vita didn't feel right. Like, it didn't look right, and it didn't feel right, but I think on the Switch, it's going to be, like, perfect if they release Rogue Legacy on the Switch. Like, yeah, because Shovel Knight feels perfect on it, so yeah. it's the same kind of thing. Is that new yeah. Shovel Knight uh, expansion good? Is that oh, really my good? God. It's so good. I it's, really didn't uh, like Plague of Shadows. I, I didn't really. either. Okay. I, and I don't, I don't think much of anybody did really. Uh, again, this is, like, totally anecdotal, but nobody I have spoken to has said that they loved Plague of Shadows. Everybody's been like, oh, it's kind of interesting, but whatever. Yeah, no, uh, Spectre of Torment, holy crap, man. Like, leagues above. If Shovel Knight is Mega Man X, Spectre of Knight is zero. It's, mm-hmm. like... It's a totally retooled campaign. He's got his, like, aerial slices that feel so good to execute platforming challenges that make you feel smart uh, and skilled when you pull them off. Like, no, it's it's freaking fantastic. It's, okay. like, one of the best 2D action games I've ever played. You sold me. You sold I me. I love it. I love it. So, I think now... I think now we got to talk about Zelda. All right. Uh, I'll be over here preparing the flame shield. You just uh, well, you light it right up. Well, it's so, it's uh, the uh, of Zelda, and it's just really don't, just don't put it away, otherwise the flame will go out. <laughs> Uh-oh. And you have to reload. <laughs> wow. No, that's good. That was well done, Caitlin. So I, I want to preface all of this um, by saying that I like Breath of the Wild. I do. I, I like it. And this is coming from somebody who I detested Skyward Sword. Like, on every level, I hated Skyward Sword. I hated its tutorials. I hated the motion controls. I hated the big open world that was somehow less interesting than Wind Waker. I think that game was terrible. Like, just hated it across the board. One thing I thought was okay, maybe the storytelling and actually making a romantic angle between Zelda and Link, but we're going to get there in Breath of the Wild without going into spoiler territory. Breath of the Wild made such an impression on me by just taking all that crap and just throwing it out. And my first, like, couple hours with this game, my jaw was on the floor, but I think my jaw was on the floor because I was just impressed by this big, open-world, gorgeous-looking watercolor, like, go-anywhere-do-anything Zelda game. And that is so different from what they have done for the past almost 20 years now. I mean, Ocarina of Time came out in 98, guys. That Mm -hmm. said, the more time I've spent with this game, the more... Boring is a really strong word. The more that the the cracks in the systems and the fact that you're kind of doing the same thing over and over again, and a lot of it... You're not really incentivized to go out and do a lot of the open world stuff is starting to really detract. Now, I, I still enjoy doing the shrines. For the most part, the shrines have been fine. Uh, I've run into a couple that were a little wonky, and I think the abundance of just combat shrines is kind of BS, like, cause they're just not fun, and we'll talk about that in a little bit and weapon degradation. But like, that part of the game is okay, but don't you guys think it's a giant missed opportunity that the only real progression in this game is either more hearts or more stamina? And there's no, like, I'm not saying Zelda needs a skill tree, but, like, for all this talk about making Link stronger so he can go save the world, it really just comes down to 
hearts and stamina. And not a whole lot else really matters. I mean, the, the Zelda, you know, the mechanical and stat progression formula has always been very, very basic and and stripped back. So I don't mind that too much. I mean, what I what I do kind of mind is the stamina meter itself. I feel like they give you not enough early on, <laughs> and I haven't really seen the benefit of choosing hearts over stamina. You mean Especially the best? since you can uh, level up your equipment to give you better defense and craft potions and stuff. Yeah. See, I, I needed to upgrade hearts because maybe just the way I've been playing, I was getting one-shotted by everything in this game. And so I had to start like going for hearts, and I had to start cooking meals that gave me like the, uh, the yellow hearts that go away when you lose them. Now, maybe that's just the way I was playing this game. Maybe I was pushing into areas that I really shouldn't have, but this game... On a side note, I think it does a horrible job of signposting when you shouldn't be going into an area. So, like, in Witcher, they put the skull above the enemy. And the skull mm. means this is a bad mother. Like, don't mess with him. And, okay, I'm not going to mess with him. In Zelda, the only indication that you have that you're going up against a bad dude is they just kill you in one shot. But well, I think that kind of adds to the sense of wonder, uh, you know, kind I of like take that, yeah. style. And it, the autosaving is so generous that that hasn't really been too much of a problem for me. Well, and if you want to talk about games having a sort of built-in language teaching you how to play it, I think you learn pretty quickly that the red, you know, red enemies are like the weakest here, and then blue is stronger, and black is stronger than that. So. I think that's you know if you if you want to make the the age old souls comparison Don't do here, it. Like, oh god, it, you know they're they're teaching you something without having to tell you like this is the weak one, this is the strong one. They don't say that, but I think you very clearly in like the first Moblin camp you find there's one blue one that's way the hell stronger than the rest. So I think I right. think they they give you enough explanation just by showing you that. So I, if I, I see something strong, I run because like you said, there's a there's a double-edged sword there with them not really incentivizing killing enemies. It's like, if you don't need to kill it, just run. Yeah, I just I, I think I think I was playing this game incorrectly at first where I was really like going to every Moblin camp and killing every Moblin that I could and just... I don't know whether you got one out. <laughs> yeah, so like, I, I just was like, I gotta go over there, there's a thing and oh, I gotta go over there, there's a thing. And so since I've started focusing myself to, okay, I'm gonna complete shrines on the way to the main objectives because I really am not digging these Moblin camps. I've actually started enjoying the game more, mm -hmm. but like th there's aspects of this game that feel kind of half-baked, and I I'm not just saying that for a pun when it comes to cooking, but like... <laughs> I, I'm I'm honestly shocked that the camera is somehow worse than it's ever been in a Zelda game before. Like, it doesn't follow when you Z-target. You still have to manipulate the camera with the right analog stick, which is... Oh, yeah, that's bad. That's a step backwards from Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword and I, Ocarina of Time, for God's sake. So when you start fighting more than one enemy... There's no way to do the Dark Souls thing of, like, keeping them all in front of you so they're all facing your shield. And also, like, since everything is physics-based, there are times where I get hit and my shield was up where I'm just like, how the hell did that hit me? Like, what what the – what in the – everything in this game is physics-based. And I don't know if that was a good design decision. Like, I really don't know because there are times where something wonky will happen physics-wise where, like, you know, Link gets hit and he won't stop tumbling down the mountain. Even though the mountain is at, like, a five-degree incline and you're like, <laughs> uh, I just started tumbling down going, as you wish. <laughs> like, okay, but, like, it, it just... 
like, how is the camera in this game worse? And also, how is the combat somehow worse than Wind Waker? Like, to, to try to dodge, like, you have to press two buttons at the same time. I cannot get that to consistently activate. I can't get the, the flurry time to consistently activate. And one of the, like, encounters in the game, which is more of a stealth encounter because the guy does so much damage and you're not really supposed to fight him, like, that was just infuriating. Like, I can't get this timing down. Like, okay, on the one hand, you made it really hard because Wind Waker, it was pretty easy. But, like... I think that's how I'm supposed to do this encounter, because otherwise, how the hell am I supposed to beat it? Like, hmm. I have a a litany of reactions that I don't know how go to go ahead. through. Re- so I think a good discussion, yeah, yeah. So I think for one, this is fairly, and I don't mean this to be condescending. I think this is fairly typical of the way you approach games: is that you tend to miss the forest for the trees. So you'll find, right. yeah. you'll find an issue that you don't like, and then you kind of fixate on it, and then it's like that sours the entire experience for you. So I, I think, think that's happening right there when it comes to combat and camera, because those are two things that I haven't had difficulty with. And, and I'm not yeah. saying that like it's impossible to have difficulty with them, but but when I'm playing, like if I have an issue, I usually think, oh, maybe I didn't approach that the right way, or I need to get better at controlling it because these controls are very complex. Oh I think my this God. is the, the <laughs> hardest Zelda to control. It, it by is, far. I, it, and I, like, I don't know how much of that I can. Uh, uh, chuck up to it being a new system and a new controller that I'm just getting the hang of, or if it's just a really overly complex control scheme, because uh, I think some of it is just bad. Like the uh, some of it's just Zelda. Yeah, well, I don't I, think yeah. I can hold down like a trigger and then go left or right on the pad to cycle through stuff. That's kind of hard to get the hang of at first. Mm. Uh, I, and I, I don't, I don't want to sidetrack you for too long, Derek, because I agree with the points that you're making. The the controls in this game, like it took me about three or four days before I was comfortable with the controls like at first for the first off who the hell at nintendo decided that a was going to be confirmed on everything because that is like as somebody who has played has been (laughs) yeah a on the right a on the so like on your diamond which is the b button on an xbox 360 controller or the circle button on a playstation controller yeah now yes x is no no, in America, X is yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> God damn it. So, like, I was, first off, I was just having a hell of a time with the menus there, and I had to, like, train myself, and then I went back to my PlayStation, and I was, now I have to train myself the other way. But the controls in this game are so complex that, like, Jackie was sitting there going, can I have the controller? I want to climb a tree. And I'm like, how do I describe to her how to climb a tree? I'm like, <laughs> I- I'm like, okay, you have to press this. So, like, it, the controls in this game are intense and there is a huge learning curve to this game derek i didn't mean to cut you off but i just i wanted to say yeah that the controls in this game oh boy i agree there's like there's like one or two buttons that you can that they let you remap and that's it but you can swap them and both of them should neither ever have the functions that those two buttons have yeah it doesn't make any sense no no uh derek keep going that's okay I, i agree that that's pretty unwieldy so i'm right there with you uh another thing is you were talking about this a little bit on our forums, our, our staff boards, about how um, you know you want you want there to be more incentive to explore and to discover. And I get where you're coming from on that because if it was just a big world with nothing in it to do at all, I probably wouldn't enjoy exploring it either because it is beautiful, yes. But like, mm-hmm. just sort of basic game design is that you have to give the player a reason to do stuff in the world and i guess that's not really true of all games because we have things like minecraft but but i for me especially the games that hold my attention are ones that do incentivize me to a degree that being said i think that zelda has enough and it's the type of world that i do just enjoy exploring 
to take in vistas and stuff. Like, I just want to go to the top of that ridge to see what's at the top of that ridge. I don't need an achievement to pop saying, you know, 50 gamer score, congrats, you got to the top of the ridge. Like, for me, it's enough in Zelda, and I think it's because the art design in that game is top of its class. And I I, I think that it... I, I, I'm going to put this in air quotes. It gets away with having less incentives because it is such a beautiful world and it's so well-crafted. That's how I see it. I think Zelda has... In modern Zelda, and when I say modern Zelda, I mean Ocarina of Time forward. I think modern Zelda has always had this problem, which is that you have these side activities and these different things that you can do and caves that you can find. Like, I remember there was that one really spooky cave in Twilight Princess where you had to have, like, the lantern and you're going through and there's bats. And then I think there was a Stalfos at the end of it. And then you open up a chest and there's 50 rupees. And, like, Mm -hmm. Zelda has always had that problem. So it's not that... Breath of the Wild has a problem that has never existed. It's just that now there was this opportunity to really do something around that, to get around that. And this was a point that Stephen was actually making. We were talking uh, on Gmail today about this. You get all of your abilities in giant air quotes here. You get all your abilities in the first area of this game. There is no hook shot. There is no ice rod. There's none of this stuff. So the progression in the game has effectively stopped. Like, yeah, you get a unique power for each one of the four major mm. dungeons that you complete, one of them just being a resurrect, which, thank you for that. That's actually helped with the one problem I have, which is the constant dying. Thank you. But, like, the game is not about Link getting stronger outside of the hearts and the stamina. And I agree with you. Getting to the top of a ridge in this game is extremely satisfying. And when there's a shrine on top of that ridge, you know, and I go in and I complete the puzzle in the shrine, I'm I'm very happy and I've got a smile on my face. But I'm just wondering, like, is this it? Like, is is this all there is to it? And yeah, I agree that, like, games can fall into this trap of, like, oh, you, you got to the top of one mountain and you have 50 more mountains before you get the mountain achievement. Like, I totally get that. I understand that. But couldn't there have been, like, incentives like, oh, maybe now you have a better chance of recovering your arrows, or maybe now recovered arrows show up on the map, or here's maybe your bombs get better, or you can throw two bombs at a time. Like, there, there's basic progression stuff that this game is not doing that well, is I'm kind gonna, of mystifying. You can, you can upgrade your runes. Like it's... Well, you can, but you upgrade them once, and they're still not required to solve puzzles. They're more like quality of life improvements, but but again, but that's all I, I'd want them to be. I just I, I I like the fact that they give you this very limited and simple tool set, and then challenge you to get creative with it to solve problems. I think it's a it's a really kind of smart and quite daring way of doing it. Personally, I can agree with that. I can, but I just feel like when I'm solving these problems, the rewards are not tangible, and then. I have to lead this all to the number one criticism I have with this game, which is the durability system is almost, it's almost a deal breaker. Because this is where Derek's point from a few minutes ago about me missing the forest through the trees. I can agree with him on that, but because I have to interact with this god awful durability system all day, every day. I hate durability systems. Look, it can be used effectively. Uh, I've seen it done well. This game might be the most egregious use of weapon durability I've ever seen in a modern game. Hey, you'll break Dark Cloud. Uh, no, no, I'm, 
I, I will not be an apologist for, for things that I think don't work and just because I like the overall experience. And I, I agree. The durability system is frustrating. Yeah. Um, my, my sort of caveat there or my asterisk on that was I was under the impression that at some point in the game, durability would stop mattering. Like yeah. I would get a weapon, hint, hint, that didn't have durability or something like that. Nope. But, like, uh, like the Master Sword, right? Like, yeah, maybe like that. But from what I've heard, that might not be the case. So nope. I'm not 100% sure on that. And that's a and, – and again, maybe if they went in and tuned it with a patch, I don't know how much we can expect this from Nintendo. But if they went in and just turned the weapon durability up four times – you yeah, know. make it like Dark Souls, so it's really unobtrusive, you know? Right. Or there, maybe but... give you the option of keeping track of it somehow. I mean, oh my god, I... that is the worst, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, every time I go into the menu and I see, I mean, okay, you can see a sparkling icon. I think that means, okay, maybe it's okay, it's good, it's not. Sparkling means that it will get hit by lightning. Found that out. <laughs> <laughs> Which was hysterical. But, like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay, it's a box. Maybe there could be, like, a color behind it, and it gradually turns colors, or maybe it it depletes as the durability. Something that I can keep track of it and say, okay, this thing is going to de- break soon before I get the message in the middle of combat saying, your bow is almost broken, and then it breaks on me, and suddenly I have whiplash. Have you guys ever had your bow, weapon, and shield all break in the span of three seconds? Oh, not yet. Yeah, um, that was fun. I, It was one of those moments where I just hit the pause button, and I just took a lap around the house. I was just like... Because, <laughs> again, it can be done well. I think that there's ways to make this better, and I get what they're going for, because they want you... They want this sense of survival. I mean, this this is a a AAA version of Don't Starve in some, like, really weird way, and I, I can dig that. That's cool, yeah. But it's so Mm, it is so damn annoying. Mm. Like, and and it really like to watch YouTube videos of people like fighting, you know, big nasty monsters and going through four or five weapons. It's like, did nobody at Nintendo put up their hand and go, "Are people really going to have fun with this?" Because yeah. <laughs> like, and I mean, like, uh, okay, so the mentality is you're always going to find new weapons, so you'll never run out of weapons. Okay, cool. That's fine. And they want you to constantly be experimenting with new weapons, so you're always, like, shifting tactics. Okay, that's also cool. But when a weapon breaks, that's it. You you never get it back. So if you find a cool weapon that you like and it breaks, that's that's it. Done. You, you never get it back unless you just happen to find it somewhere else in the world from another weapon, another enemy or whatnot. So... If you could, like, repair weapons somehow, like Witcher, Mm. that'd be cool. So if I found a weapon I liked and it's about to break, maybe I can set it aside and repair it. Even if it means having to backtrack to a town somewhere to do it, that'd be cool. So I'd have to maybe weigh my options. Do I want to go back to town right now? Uh, you know, waste my time, possibly have to, you know, you know, backtrack for a quest. Or maybe I have to, you know, use other weapons and change my tactics while I'm on this quest and then later on go back to town and repair this weapon that I really like. You know, that that would have been maybe a better way to balance durability and let me keep weapons that I like but still encourage me to use other weapons. I don't know. It's, it's actively... Maybe, um, go ahead, maybe, Robert. Go ahead. Maybe way more slots as well. 
which I'm <laughs> yeah. started to fix. Like you, there is yeah. a system for getting more slots, but like there is, but still, it never feels like it's enough. No, and you always need to keep the, like one slot for a leaf. To, in case you need to create wind, and you should probably have another slot for an axe that you can use to chop down trees. Like you, you should have and a hammer stuff. to get uh, gems. Yep, yeah, it just it feels very inelegant, and it's it's one of these things that because I have to interact with it over and over again, it has actively made me just run away from combat. I'm just like, nope, I don't want to deal with this. Like I, cause, and, and this begs the question, and Jeff Gersman brought this up on Giant Bomb. Like, I want to cite him. I don't want it to, to sound like I was the one who came up with this. If this was a full-fledged RPG and Link was getting stronger through combat, do you think we could forgive the weapon durability at that point? Because then you'd have an incentive to go do it, right? Mm, I don't know. If I was I getting know. experience for combat, maybe? Because I don't want to engage in any more combat with this game, like because it, it's just a hassle, and I'm not getting anything from it. So it's like, yeah, that Moblin camp, you know, I might get some get some ice arrows if I go over there, but I'm going to spend 15 fire arrows to get it. Like, yeah, I wonder if this is just sort of a symptom of that being one of the pillars of Zelda design they're not willing to let go of. Yeah, like if if they yeah, had implemented so. an experience system, then it would have been less of an issue. Because, I mean, I, I would be happy with that. You know, I like leveling up my characters and stuff. Give me that. But, yeah. Uh, I can see where you're coming from on that. I, yeah. I don't think this is a perfect game, by the way. Uh, one of the, the critiques that you made of Breath of the Wild is that you, you think that it's critic-proof. And I don't see it quite that way. I think that people are really high on 90, it. It's got a 98 on Metacritic right now. It's yeah. currently the highest-rated game of the past yeah, like, five but, years. That doesn't but mean perfect. Those reviews, right, it's not perfect. Well, those reviews aren't saying, like, nothing is wrong with this game in any way. The text isn't just the word perfect 500 times. Like, Well, I, I find it... Uh, okay, so, I, you know, and this isn't me attacking you guys. This is just a thesis that I have. You know how people talk about the Sonic cycle? When, like, a Sonic game is announced, everybody, like, loses their mind and says, it's going to be Sonic's coming back, everybody! And then the game comes out, and it's, like, you know, battered wife syndrome. Like, okay, it's another bad Sonic game. Like, okay, we all knew this was going to happen. And I just realized that was a really really off-color joke, and I apologize for that. That was – no, that wasn't cool. I shouldn't have done that. But, like, it's a joke, right, that Sonic games, we always get really excited about them. They come out, and then we find out that they're garbage. And then every once in a while you get a good one. Yes, Steven, stop yelling and screaming on the internet right now. But, like, with Zelda, here's what happens. A Zelda game comes out. It is declared to be in the reincarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it will lead us all to the promised land. And then about six months to a year later – the Zelda backlash happens. And I, I actually think that sometimes the backlash is way over the top. Like, you you now see message boards of people just saying that Twilight Princess was a complete waste of time. And I, I loved I loved that game when it came out, and I still love that game. I thought Skyward Sword was trash when I played it when it first came out, and I still think that game's trash. But, like, Skyward Sword was heralded as, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is this is the most fantastic Zelda. You know, motion controls are, are validated, blah, 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 blah. And now you read Message for us, it's like, well, Skyward Sword was kind of bad. I think Breath of the Wild is going to have one of the biggest backlashes on a Zelda game in recent memory, and I think that that's undeserved because I don't think it's a bad game. But the fact that it is currently sitting at a review score that is insane considering some of the problems with this game. like And and I agree with you, Robert. 10 does not mean perfect. But there are some... Reading review after review for this game, 
I don't know if it was a combination of being excited for a new console, the fact that this was a new Zelda game and we hadn't had one in so long, but I, I feel like this game kind of didn't get the attention and the criticism that it deserved. Like, to read a line in a review where they go, you know, some people are going to have a problem with the durability system, but I didn't really find it that annoying. I just want to find that person and, like, beat them to death with a tire iron. I'm like, really? Until the tire iron breaks. But then, you know, Giant Bomb has a big problem with the durability system, and they gave it it a 5 out of 5. Yeah, but Dan Riker didn't. Like, Dan Riker was like, yeah, I didn't really have that big of a deal with it, but, like, the rest of Giant Bomb is like, what the hell? Like, But I, uh, this is very subjective, but I mean, it is. It um, is. G- counterpoint: Zelda doesn't really do anything for me personally, and I don't find the games very exciting. And I'm finding Breath of the Wild to be outstanding. Yeah, I, I, it, it does some things that I really like. Um, I and and that sense of place is probably better than any game in recent memory. And and again, any game that evokes Shadow of the Colossus at times is going to be like, a, I'm an easy lay for that. Like, I'm, I'm all <laughs> over that. But like, there's just, there's something about this game that it's like, it is beautiful, but very thin. Like, just very, very thin. And you're kind of doing mm. the same thing. You know, games by their very nature are very repetitive. But like... It, it it sort of feels like Neo in a way where it's like, I've done the thing that this game wants me to do, and I've been doing it for about five days now. I have no idea what my in-game clock is on this game, and I wish I could see one. But like sooner or later, I've kind of I've kind of scaled a bunch of mountains. I've kind of fought a bunch of moblins. I've done a lot of shrines, and I'm... I mean, consider... Neo, Neo keeps sending you back to the same maps over and over again, yeah, though. Yeah, which, re- so. which is really bad. That, yeah, that's true. Mean, like- Consider the food that you crave the most often, like or the you know your absolute favorite dish. If you eat it over and over and over, you're probably going to get tired of it before long, Not and you'll want to switch it up. Not Indian. Uh, I, I actually, I'd agree with you. I love Indian food. Yeah, I love Indian food. It's one of those things. Just like maybe you're just getting fatigued, and you need to step back. Like I, I took a step back today. I barely played it today because I want to try to build up that excitement again. I just think that this game, you know, and, and Robert's right. It is a very subjective argument, and the thesis that I'm I'm throwing out there is something that can't be proven or disproven. And so it's like you know, it, it's not a real helpful discussion. But I'm I'm just honestly shocked. You know, I, I I advocate on this podcast over and over again that when I'm critical of a game, it's because I want games to be better. And yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, and but the, this game getting boundless praise, and I actually thought U.S. Gamer did a pretty good job mm. of like they gave it a good review score, but at the same time they were pointing out some criticisms with the game. Like, I I think this game <laughs> kind of got off scot free in a way. Well, and this is, um, this is saying something coming from somebody who writes reviews of video games, but uh, Counterpoint, who cares? Like, who cares what kind of reviews it's getting? Like, yeah, no, that's true. Ultimately, it's a subjective experience. Every review is subjective. Like, it's entirely possible that there's some sort of, like, everybody's accessing the morphogenetic field and, like, feeling, oh, they're they're happy about it, so i got to give it a really good review. Like, I don't know, man. Like, it's, I think... Reviews, of course, like, we write them. Reviews are a very useful barometer when taken as, like, a complete picture of how good a game is. For me, when I write a review, it's not me trying to impress upon anybody. Like, this is the truth about this game, and you have to accept it. It's me saying this is my experience and what I got from it. So I think you can you can look at the picture of every review for Zelda pretty much being good and be like, all right, this is a really, you know, this game is probably worth my time. But that doesn't mean it's free of issues. I, I agree with you, and I think in that gray area, there's definitely room for discussion, but it's kind of like if somebody gave Breath of the Wild a 1 out of 10, 
we would all be incredibly dismissive of that person's review, right? We would just somebody has it. given it a lower score, and, and I'm not going to say who, but they were like, right, this is the review that we didn't get paid to write. Right, like, okay. exactly. Like, we can throw that review out, but if that w- but what if somebody did give the game a 1 out of 10 because they genuinely didn't like it? Again, it, it's, it's an argument that you can go back and forth on. I'm just a little... This Zelda cycle... This Zelda cycle of, like, in in another year, everyone's going to be talking about how Breath of the Wild wasn't all that great. It, it's kind of – it's bothersome to me. It, it is like, mm-hmm. were we playing the same game? Like, when I was arguing with all those reviewers about Skyward Sword, and I was like, really? You guys liked motion control? Because I don't think they're ever going to use motion control ever again. And they were like, no, nah, man, motion control is here to stay. And these are, like, reviewers from actual, like, outlets, like IGN and Games Radar. Boy, wouldn't you know it. They kind of seemed to have taken motion controls out, didn't they? Yeah, they kind of they kind of said effort to those, didn't they? I'm well, with you. I, I didn't like Skyward Sword at all, but I will say I think the high point of that game was some of the the motion sword one on one duels. That was I liked them too. Anyway, Caitlin, you were gonna say? Yeah. yeah um, sorry, Caitlin. I don't know how much I buy into Rob's argument about a. Um, a cycle, although I certainly see that being the case with Final Fantasy a lot, so I'm sure that happens. But I mean, you know, that happens a lot with franchises as big as Zelda and and mega franchises. It's oh oh oh, the the last one was was amazing when it comes out, and then it sucks, and so on and so forth, um, because we're all sort of hyper aware of the the immense history and the pedigree of a series, and and each the game has to super live up to every entry before it and if it if it's perceived to to not live up to all the the amazing entries before it then it's a failure and if it seems like it does then it's a the the second coming of uh, what did you say our, our lord savior yeah the, the lord jesus christ i think that's yeah. i also i also live in eagles country when it comes to football so every year is the reincarnation of the lord jesus christ around here so i just kind so, of find all of that exhausting to follow (laughs) like the the entire we have to be hyper fixated on what the reception is now and what it will be in the future and everything it's just like but i just i wonder if it's impossible to escape that even even if i don't think people consciously when they're writing reviews i mean we certainly don't but i don't think most people are consciously thinking about that when they're playing a game or when they're writing review but i don't know how how it's maybe possible to necessarily escape that, you know, maybe unconsciously when you're playing games in a series that's been running this long, just as a matter of course, because it is such a long running series. And if you've been, if you've played all the games in this series, and if you're aware of the tradition, then you're thinking about all the previous entries and what this game does differently or uh, and in your opinion better or not better and that sort of kind of informs your opinion and and that can all sort of compound into your ultimate you know good not good five out of five one out of five you know is Kotaku still doing their yes no yes yes Uh, no they've they've gotten rid of that they've just got pros and cons now Oh okay. yeah, no, you're right. They don't even. Have, yeah. I can't. I can't keep up with all these different rating scales. You know. I. I, yeah. I really do like our just our percentages. 
Yeah, and and this goes back a little bit to when I was writing my review for Neo, and I was like, you know, I I had this real up and down with that game where I was really down on it at first, and then, you know, 10 to 15 hours in, I started really, really loving it, and I would have given the game a very high score, and then as I just kept playing it and it had nothing new to show me and I was just doing the same thing for another 20 hours, like I started souring on it a little bit. And then I, I think Derek's right. You know, I tend to fixate a little bit on, on review scores, but when I start seeing like just boundless praise and I start questioning like, you know, what does it mean to give a review for a game? And I try to do a critical analysis. This is what I think worked. This is what I think didn't work. And you're right. That's a totally like su- subjective thing to do but i do take it seriously because i want the games to get better like i actually think the neo guys did a great job of listening to fan feedback and they made you know when that game was first being demoed that game was woof and they actually made it into something that was pretty good because of that criticism that they received and you know they they talked about at uh gdc like the things that they they listened to and the things that they were like nope that is a design decision that we really feel confident on i think that's important i would have loved to have been a guy who was brought into playtest breath of the wild because i would have like crashed through the one-way mirror grabbed miyamoto started strangling him and been like you need to fix durability because like this game would be amazing if you would just fix this one little thing like this is like this is one of those things where it's like i don't know what the dogged determination of the game developers was there for like i and i think they honestly made a mistake and to read a review where you know oh well they they just didn't even mention weapon durability like really that didn't bother you maybe it didn't bother them i don't know but like I, I guess it comes down to, am I trying to validate somebody's purchase when I write a review, or am I trying to give a critical analysis? And for me, it's a critical analysis. Yeah. I, I don't want people to look at my review mm-hmm. and be like, well, Rob Steinman gave it a 95, and that means it has the steel, the steel of approval. The seal of approval. <laughs> like, no. Like, I'm not trying to validate your purchase. Like, I'm saying what I think about this game. You, you guys know my stance. I want to get rid of review scores completely on the site, but that's not going to happen. Like... That's where my stance is. I think the language of the review is way more important. And then you go back and read some reviews from the day, <clears throat> that Dead Space 2 review by that kind of funny idiot. And uh, good lord, like, uh, not kind of funny, kind of, what is it? Is it kind of funny? Who's the guy I hate? I always That's forget his name. kind of funny. He is from Great. kind of funny. And his Great. writing was atrocious on IGN. His writing was atrocious. Like, there was, like, it was just terrible writing. Like, he was basically like, it's a game. And I'm like, there's no analysis here about what is going on with the game. And I really don't like that. And now people love him. And it's just like... <sighs> well, you know, he makes content. So. Yes, I know. That's what know. it's all about these days. Yeah, <laughs> and IGN is now doing their... We're going to have two people play uh, play Zelda Breath of the Wild. And we're going to do it with two Joy-Con remotes. So I think that's enough uh, Zelda talk. Because I, I don't want this to turn into the, the Zelda podcast. But, you know... We're going to keep playing it. Uh, oh, really? It can't be the Zelda podcast, but it can be the Dark Souls. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> oh, you with the things that you do. Um, but no, I, I want to talk about the game that I kind of I kind of wish I was playing it instead of Zelda. Um, and I, I'm not saying that to bash Zelda. I'm just saying, uh, tell me about Nier. How, how good is it? Good. Is, I, I, would, I would go good. so far as to say very good. Is it very, very good? Um, It's... Somewhere between very good and excellent, I would say. Okay. What I've heard about this game is that the story is so bat crap crazy that I'm going to love it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Sweet. just like the previous year. 
Uh, I've well, I know you've played it also a lot, Robert. I've <laughs> I got it yesterday morning and I have like twelve hours in it. Oh my god! It's all I've been doing with my free time. So I've gotten one ending, um, and I don't know how many there are, but wow, it is definitely not done when the credits roll the first time because you, you haven't five. even scratched the surface. Okay, I think there's and five endings. I haven't even like. There's no way that the the game can't even be like a quarter over, maybe maybe a third over where I am right now. So, um, Robert, why don't you share your thoughts first? Because well. I'm I'm amazed this is that this is even a thing. I didn't think anybody <laughs> would would give Yokotaro money to do another near game. Um, so I'm very very pleasantly surprised that this is uh, finally arrived and is uh, is a tangible thing. Uh, I'm enjoying it a lot so far. I'm much much earlier on than you, um, Derek. Uh, it at the time of recording, it's just dropped here in the UK today, uh, and I, okay. I picked it up. Uh, I picked it up during uh, my lunch break and. Uh, got about two, two and a half hours in uh, before we started recording. But um, it's got all that sort of trademark batshit craziness that you would expect from from a Yoko Taro game. Um, like breaking the fourth wall to have, um, you know, like you get damaged in combat and then you have to um, mess with the options and like turn the volume back up and turn the brightness back up. To recover from, <laughs> to recover from your injuries, that sort of stuff I really like. Um, the game also opens with this really striking, like um, vertical shooter uh, segment where you have um, bullets and melee attacks. It feels a little bit like Soul Divide or maybe that recent game Aster Breed, okay. which I found really striking. I don't know if you played either of those. Uh-huh. I played Aster Breed. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's that sort of from what I've seen so far, it's that perfect fusion of all sorts of different disparate genres um, thrown into a, a what looks like it's going to be a very sizable RPG um, with some really cool character designs. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to ask because when I played this demo, like that, good lord, that might be one of the best demos I've played in recent memory. Like, really I, good. I was, totally on board does the game manage to sustain that level of energy because like usually with an action adventure game that's you know that combat focused you know 10 15 hours that that's usually like the cutoff right Right. but this game you know multiple endings and you you just got to one of the endings after about 12 hours can it sustain that level like by giving you new enemies like new things to fight is it no, oh, no. Oh, it's, it. it's, oh. <laughs> no, that doesn't mean it's bad, but it does not sustain that energy level. And what kind of surprised me is I didn't know this before it came out. I was seeing a couple of ads here and there, and they were like, try the best open world action RPG of the season or whatever. And I was like, first, okay, that must just be sort of like pandering to people who like open world games or whatever. Um, but it kind of has a sort of like mildly open world, and I don't like that about it. Really? Because uh, pretty pretty early on, you get to the ruined Earth, and there's sort of like a base of operations that's set up there, and you go to all of the... It's sort of like you start there, and then you get to a level, more or less, that's a pretty linear experience. Um, but the, the hub area where you have to traverse to get to each of those levels, it just seems needlessly large to me, and there are fast travel points um, everywhere, except you don't unlock fast travel until, like, um, probably a third to half of the way through the story. Mm. So there's a lot of, there's there's a couple segments where you have to run back and forth between places. Like there's one in particular where you find a little village in a forest and you have to go back and forth between it twice 
as to, mm-hmm. to progress the story. It's like get this thing and then run it back to point B and then run from point B to point A again. And I was just like, why yeah, am I doing like near this? One. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It has those weird sort of like eight. I don't know what word I'm looking for. Like not asynchronous, but uh, um, uh, aberrant, aberrant, whatever. Like these weird moments that don't really seem to fit in with the rest of it. Because when it's when you're in a quote unquote level, that it's fantastic. Uh, like it's very much segmented into these sequences, each of which is sort of distinct um, tonally, not not tonally, but like atmospherically, uh, you know, there's like a water, ruined city in the water, there's a forest, there's a castle, like, each of those feels very different and is memorable, but the in-between, I don't care for. Now, whether or not they're using that sort of um, that that premise to subvert it later, I don't know, because Yoko Taro does that, he might be like, hey, remember when you ran all those annoying errands? It was for a reason, because this. Like, because when you were running from point A to point B at that point in the story, this other thing was happening and we wanted to convey a sense of time. Like, that's the sort of thing I could envision happening in this game. Because um, there's already been some pretty interesting things. Like, one of the the first things to happen in the beginning of the game, and this this isn't a spoiler because I don't know if it affects anything or not, but when the main character is, is 2B, she's booting up, she's an android, and your partner, 9S, is running through your your boot sequence. He's like... Okay, let's adjust your brightness. Let's adjust your sound. And uh, oh yeah, make sure you enable your self-destruct option because that's protocol. <laughs> you have to do it, and you have on or off. And if you hit no, he's like, no, really, you you have to. It's it's protocol. So you keep hitting off, and he has a, a bunch of responses. He's like, I'm serious. You have to put it on. So I put it on, exited that, and went right back into it and turned it off and again. And he was like, all right, you know what? You can keep it off. I'm not going to tell anybody, but keep it a secret. Wow. So I have I I felt like that's the kind of thing that could tie into an important plot point later on, you know, like you're surrounded by enemies and you would self-destruct, but it's not on. So the game does something different. Like that's the kind of thing that this game is doing. And I think it's very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's also can... a, an option that you get after you beat the game once that changes how some characters sound if you turn it on. So that's kind of, I, I wonder if there might be a, a point in the game where if I didn't have that on or off, I wouldn't know what was going on necessarily because Yoko Taro. So there was that thing in the demo where you could like take your operating chip out and the <laughs> yes. game would just end. And I, of course yep. I did it. I was just like, Oh, <laughs> take that out. Huh? Uh-huh. All right. Well, back to the title menu. All right. Well, they weren't, they weren't playing around. I really, that's the kind of stuff that we talk about, you know, video games need to embrace the fact that, you can do really cool things like that in a video game setting. Like, remember 999, mm-hmm. VLR, those are stories yeah. that can only be told in a video game. I, and I feel that way about this so far. That's how the previous yeah. Nier was, and I think this game is going to be mm. the same way from everything I've seen. Yeah, yeah. It's unconventional, yeah. and I appreciate that. I think that previous uh, game was pretty groundbreaking in some of its ideas. Yeah. And, um, I, I hope to see if, if, this, play, if this follows suit. Um, I, I don't know if it really could, but I guess we'll see. My, my initial worry is that it's going to be copycat syndrome where it's just going to do the same thing in a different way. Like it's mm-hmm. the same idea of you have to replay. Cause I mean, I'm, here I am, I'm on my second quote unquote playthrough after seeing the credits roll runs, even knowing that that's not the end of it. Cause I am repeating areas and playthrough two. It's going way faster cause I know exactly where to go and what to do. But, and, th- and there are new things happening throughout. Uh, but it is still like, I went to this place. Now I have to go to the forest again. Now I have to go to the desert again. Um, and a lot of the dialogue is the same, but not all of it. So I just I worry a little bit that it might be uh, taking 
the, the framework left by the original near a little bit too closely, but they're probably building that up to screw with me because Yoko Taro. So yeah, it's uh, I, I think in, in the, the moment to moment gameplay, it's very fun. I just wish there wasn't so much in between tedium. Mm. And if they, if they cut that out, I think it'd be even better. But like I said, maybe I'll come to appreciate it later on. Who knows? I think I'm going to get it for PC, but I've got a problem, which is by the time I finish Zelda, we're going to be really close to Persona 5. <laughs> and I think, I, know. That, I think that means Nier might have to wait for the summer, which really sucks. I, I remember when I said, like, they announced Breath of the Wild was coming out so close to Nier, and I was like, that really sucks. Yeah, I'm that, I'm uh, exhausted, definitely, by all the games that are out. And, not, I mean, first of all, I'm exhausted by all the games coming out. Second of all, I'm exhausted by how many of them have open-world elements, because it's like, just give me give me a guided experience right now, you guys. I've always <laughs> tended to prefer the sort of the linear guided stuff in general anyway. But, yeah, especially with all the games, uh, the big ones, the big releases, having so many um, open areas to explore and, and sub-objectives and stuff. It's not that I don't want there to be more game to play. It's just like... Uh, Why do you all have to be out at the same time? Oh, did I tell you, Derek, that I beat Persona 3? No. I I did it! Did you? I did it! I don't think you did. I I finally beat it! I think think you actually mentioned it on the last podcast in passing, but you didn't tell me. I think think what I said was I was trying to beat it, and I, I sat down for like a week and a half, and I just plugged away at it. And I beat the last boss fairly easily, but I didn't realize that there's actually a thing where you can get majorly screwed on that boss battle and basically have to restart it. I'm really glad I didn't run into that because that might have killed me beating that game. Uh, I felt kind of bad because the first time I fought that last boss, I had uh, one of the, I forget what they're called, but like the dual abilities and it was Armageddon, I think, where it just does 9999. And since the boss has so many forms, it's just like, Every turn, I went through a form. It was like, 99 next form, 99 next form. How, I what felt like I changed you, it. What ability did you have? I didn't even realize that. It's it's some, like, you have to have two specific personas with two specific abilities in your in your arsenal, uh, and you can use Armageddon or something like that. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I love that final boss music. That was so oh, good. so good. That, was, that, that cool. really... That, oh, yes. It's that creepy, like, tuned-up version of uh, the Velvet Room, and it's yes. like... Oh, man. Like, even though that battle took me, like, an hour, I was totally into it the whole time. <laughs> that was yeah. a really good ending. That's an incredible experience, I guess. Yes, it is. That it was really reminds cool. me of uh, Digital Devil Saga 2 also has a final battle like that that just has this sort of amazing pulsing music, and it's it's pretty long because it's a huge enemy and stuff. Uh, I, those experiences are what I live for in RPGs. I love them so much. <laughs> So uh, in uh, in Apocalypse Watch, anybody beat Apocalypse? No, I'm the only no. one who did it. No, <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't touched it, man. I have. Did I not just tell you that I have like eight thousand other games to play? And I'm also. No, I'm going to keep bringing this up on every podcast where I get both of you because you need to know my pain with that game. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I've got I've got Zelda. I've got Neo. I've got Dragon Quest Eight. I've Wait, got you're going to play Neo? Oh, near, near. Okay. No, sorry. Neo and oh, near. You're going to play Neo. Yeah, my roommate got it. I started it already. You're not gonna but then I had to it. kind of put it on hold. I got Blaster Master Zero. You're I got not gonna finish it. More Shovel Knight. You know what? You're not, you're not Maybe I will. No, no not and... because no, not because you're not good. Like it's not that. Like you're plenty good. Like don't get me wrong. It's just, I got like, good. That game just runs out of stuff to show you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I I beat Izanami and then I went back to the dungeon that I was supposed to be in and I went oh and I saved my game and I haven't fired it up again. <laughs> Which one was Izanami? Which one? Uh, Izanami. Yeah. It's uh, it's the end of the quest line with the Patriots and the Ghosts. 
Oh, I was like, Persona 4, what are you talking about? Wait, are we, yeah, are you're talking about me. Wait, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm talking about Apocalypse. Oh! Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> well, no, because Neo, Neo actually does some of that storyline, so I was... Oh, really, yeah. You guys thought Persona 4, so that... Oh, we, like we got crazy. Yeah, three here. games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I... It, oh, golly. No. Oh, man, and speaking of other games, I mean, no, Persona 5's coming out, but... uh. Two weeks from now, a little something called Mass Effect Andromeda drops. I'm going to set that one out. I'm going to set that one out. I, I, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm getting more well. and more excited for it. It looks I really good, but I just... I have no choice but to play it at this point. Oh, well. <laughs> well don't don't I'm, get I'm all excited for it or anything. I, I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm ready for a new Mass Effect, but I just... Something about it is not exciting me. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, maybe it's going to be one of the... I wasn't excited to play Mass Effect 2, and I ended up loving it, and I loved Mass Effect 3 until, yeah, that happened. But, like, I... I don't know. I, I think what's going to happen is I'm going to play near this summer, and I'm going to keep saying, yeah, I'm going to play Mass Effect, I'm going to play Mass Effect. I ran into the same problem with uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, where I started playing that, and I was like, wow, this is just the same damn game as Tomb Raider. Huh. And, like, four hours in, I was like, okay, I'm done. Like, it's the same damn game. Like, I, I, if Mass Effect is just more Mass Effect, and I'm just shooting aliens in the face over and over again with a sniper rifle, I'm gonna get bored. Like, I don't know. I, you get to bang so many aliens. Oh God! Didn't they say it's like yeah, it's like softcore porn? I'm like, oh <laughs> great. So I'm gonna be able to see like the incisions and stuff. Ugh. Whoa. No. What, what is porn like for you? Well, yeah, no, geez. no, they got that low grade <laughs> porn on like ah 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 ah. Anywho, anywho. No, thank you. Okay, so uh, let's talk about Horizon Zero Dawn, the game that's yes. kind of drowned out by Zelda. Yeah, I'd like to hear about this. Yeah, I want I want to know if this game like everybody loved this game for the most part, and then Zelda came out and it was like, well, bye Horizon, like bye Felicia. So like, am I gonna like Horizon more than I like Zelda? I certainly hope so. I mean, from what I know of you, though, there will be things that you probably won't like about Horizon, but, I mean, that's probably part for the course. So, But there are there's so much to love about Horizon, and I really do think that there are... I think that there are things that Horizon does better than Zelda. So that's just my opinion, and... Take it with a grain of salt. I am not a huge Zelda fan. I do like Breath of the Wild a lot, but I am loving the crap out of Horizon, and I am enjoying it overall more than Zelda Breath of the Wild. So, in my opinion, it's a better game, but I think they are different games, and they will appeal to people for different reasons. I think you can like both. Uh, That's impossible. We're video gamers. We can only like one. I know, you're right. It, de- Sega does to the what Nintendo don't. Damn. Well, I only date one game at a time. You can only like one, <laughs> and if you like both, you are cast out, no. and you are officially not a video gamer anymore. No. Polly Emery, the game. Definitely a poly gamerist, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, okay, so, um, quick rundown on what Horizon is. It's, uh, you know, it's a post-apocalyptic uh game, something, we don't know exactly what happened that set humanity back into the Stone Ages. There are giant robots, some of them are dinosaurs, some of them are saber-toothed tigers. We don't know who made them, we don't know what they're supposed to be doing. We All we know is that they kind of want to eat us. 
Um, it's a it's like near. <laughs> exactly. Except, um, well, I don't think the people are androids. They certainly don't look like they're androids. Maybe I don't know. There's there are there's a bunch of mysteries around the world because there are ruins uh, dotted throughout the landscape that are um, uh, all sci-fi and techno technologically advanced, but they're all abandoned and uh, look like they've been uh, ruined for for eight for like hundreds or possibly thousands of years. So something really bad went down and. They are forbidden, so there's a lot of mystery as to what happened and why they're forbidden. Uh, the main character named Aloy uh, stumbles into one of these ruins when she's a child, finds a magical uh, technological device that lets her sort of interact with her environment in a unique way called a focus, and that's what sort of gives her the ability to... Um, it gives her sort of her detective vision, as you will, or or, or her Witcher sense. You know, it's sort of the 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 ubiquitous uh, uh, skill that lets you sort of uh, make sense of your environment. Um, but it also lets her scan enemies and see their weaknesses, and that plays a role in combat because one of the really cool things in Horizon is. Um, when you're facing off against the robotic foes, you can target specific potty parts and uh, shoot off components to weaken enemies or to uh, be able to pick off components that you can then use for crafting. So for instance, if you're fighting a specific enemy, maybe they have um, a, uh, a, a, a laser beam on their back that they use to shoot at you. If you shoot that off, they can't use it against you, but if you pick it up, you can use it against them which can you know, open up lots of different uh, avenues for strategy and combat. And there are, there are a bunch of different things you can do. You can craft traps that they can run into in combat, so things like uh, bombs and tripwires. You can uh, uh, use stealth techniques to take enemies out uh, stealthily, silently, things like that. Uh, the, the game is Freaking gorgeous. Uh, I am constantly amazed when I'm exploring the world by how pretty it is. Wait, there's, a, pretty. Uh, yeah. there's a robust... Are you playing it on a Pro or are you playing it on a PlayStation 4? I'm playing on a Pro, although I don't have a 4K TV um, and I don't have HDR on my TV, so I'm, uh, I don't have uh, full advantage of all of the, uh, the visual effects. But still, I get, I get you know, some advantage from... from on a pro and it's so pretty yeah i thought Zelda it's, looked good and then i saw horizon and i was like oh it's dear God. <laughs> like yeah and, and the art design is really cool like it it it's bright i think that's the thing that i like when when you say post-apocalyptic you think like brown muddy fallout fallout yeah, yeah. And, but and there's it, there's so much color design i mean the the foliage and there's a lot of foliage like there's a lot of foliage in this game. <laughs> foliage. There's a lot Fo of foliage. Foliage. <laughs> foliage. foliage. Yeah. I can't no. escape Lisa, our little library. <laughs> no, it's super colorful and just the yeah, the art design is off the charts and it all runs smoothly. I have not run into. I mean, I mean, I'm not a huge. Um, frame rate horror, but I haven't seen really a single skip or jump or nice. tear at all. So I... Yeah, and it's really stable. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing that this game looks this good and runs this steady, and it's an open-world game, and it's, I mean, ugh. And then, on top of all that, uh, the story uh, has been really good so far. I am digging uh, Aloy as a character, the, the mystery behind her. Um, uh, they they start, they, they build the mystery behind her birth and her origin right from the get-go, and uh, I'm still really looking forward to seeing uh, where it goes, and the conclusion of her story um, has got me sort of at the edge of my seat. Uh, the, the, all the characters that she's met along the way have been interesting. The voice acting has been good. The, there's one little quibble I have. It's that the, the um, lip syncing isn't always 100% super yeah, awesome. I saw that, yeah. But it's not the worst that it uh, that it could have been. I've seen some reactions on online that have seen that have been like I think uh, overreactions. It's not the worst uh, thing ever. Um, sometimes it looks a little wonky, but overall it's been good. And uh, in general, I think that the characters that I've seen have looked really good and pretty varied. I don't see, uh, you know five different characters wearing the exact same clothing like you might see in in Mass Effect mm. or in, in Dragon Age where like you happen across one character and then five steps later there's another character wearing the same clothing. So I have I'm like <laughs> How I'm, embarrassing. Right? They went they went to the same oh same Just store on the Citadel because it was Commander Shepard's favorite store, you know? <laughs> I think the thing I heard about this game that made my ears perk up, uh, two things in, in particular. Uh, the Giant Bomb guy said that the the story actually has a beginning, middle, and end. And mm-hmm. that you could make a sequel out of it, but it doesn't do like the tune in next week for Horizon Zero Dawn 2. Like it doesn't do the mm-hmm. Deus Ex thing, which That's remind cool. me remind me to ask you about that in a second about Deus Ex, Caitlin, because I know you and I uh, want to talk about Deus Ex briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the other thing was like, apparently it's The Witcher, except it plays great. And I was like, and I was like, I'm in. Like, I, I like, I'm totally in. Like, it, yeah. It's, like that sense of place and that sense of like open world oh, cool. discovery is really good. Yes, actually, yeah, that's a that's a very good point. I think that they've really done a good job creating a world that feels like a world and creating a world that is populated by different cultures that feel like cultures that are that interact with each other but have their own sort of uh, uh, boundaries and and feel grounded uh, but definitely feel like a, a real kind of believable world uh, much like the Witcher did um, but I don't know in some respects it almost as pretty as the Witcher was um, I almost feel like this game works a little better and for me personally the fact that this game has a strong, independent female protagonist, um, as much as I love Geralt, I really am I'm loving Aloy. She's got uh, she's got a lot of spunk to her. Is she the Zelda that we wish we had in Breath of the Wild, where we were all really excited that it was going to be Zelda? Like, hey now, is she if, if Zelda was a girl? I, if, Can you imagine? Why can't Why can't Metroid <laughs> jump? Like, uh, you know, I, well, I, and I think it's really cool because, like, they just threw this main character out a, a, of Aloy and they didn't make a big deal out of it. They were just like, 
our main character is a female. Okay, moving on. Like they didn't, they didn't do the whole like Tomb Raider thing where they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna make you love her and want to protect her." And I'm like, guys, I know what you're trying to say, but it's really, it's really not coming across that well. Like, ah, like you're trying too hard. And from the moment that they showed Horizon Zero Dawn, like it was like a record skip moment. Like the first time we saw it at E3, and it was like, holy crap! Like, where the hell did this thing come from? And then, oh god, it's the gorilla guys. Wait, this is the Kill Zone people. Mm-hmm. Huh. So they've actually had a lot of creativity and just no opportunity to actually use it for a long time. So I'm I'm really excited. It seems like it did great, uh, did great sales wise, and you know for the most part critically it did very well. So you know I am excited to see if that turns into a franchise. Uh, that that sidebar I wanted to bring up though. How depressed are we, Caitlin? That it looks like we're not going to get another Deus Ex. I am super depressed. That's really. I mean I I can't. I can't attack Square Enix for it because they're going to get some Marvel money. And, uh, yeah, I, well, that, I get that it. That sucks, especially with how um, yeah. Mankind Divided ended. Yeah. That was I, a different part. I did the one piece of DLC. I haven't done the new one yet, but uh, I, I kind of liked their approach to having, like, a mini-mission where, like, you got to upgrade your powers as you went along. Like that, I, I still think the core of Deus Ex was really good. It's just It just ended. Yeah. You're just like, what? Like, that's a shame. Well, who knows? Maybe in another 10 years. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe when, when we reboot it, you know, Warren Spector comes back and we do the reboot. Oh, that'd be we so do, good. We do the Deus Ex. Uh, I got to be honest, I don't think we're going to get another Dishonored because those sales numbers weren't all that great. Like, I, I think Dishonored might be done. Uh, so Dishonored and Deus Ex both potentially going away in one year, That that really sucks. Like... I'm and Prey come back. <laughs> I think Prey looks great, but then yeah, again, Prey I don't know how really I don't know how it's going to sell. Like I, I I'm I'm honestly surprised because usually you have that expectation that the second game is where they're going to make a ton of money because they've established the franchise and people are into it. But I think because Deus Ex, Dishonored 2 and to some extent Rise of the Tomb Raider were so damn similar to the previous games, I think a lot of people probably had the reaction I did, which was like, oh, been there, done that. Like, mm. I, I played that game before. I don't really need another one right now. I think I think we need to start being a little bit more careful of that in the industry. And I, I bring that up in reference to Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, <laughs> Fallout <if> 4. <laughs> talk about a game where I got that one right, right? <laughs> like, that now people Sorry, hate on uh, You were people, saying People hate on Fallout 4 now, but like I, I just worry like if they try to turn out a sequel too fast with Horizon Zero Dawn, like could they end up running into the same problem? It's like no, don't don't be afraid to try new things, you know. And and gamers also need, breathing room. Yeah, and gamers also need to be willing to try new things. Like that's the other thing is like you know don't be so insulated that you only play one type of game. Rob, yes, I know how bad that sounds coming out of me. And I swear, hey, if they announce a Bloodborne two, I will be pissed at E3. I I don't want a Bloodborne two. I say that yeah, now. Uh, where where hey, could they either. go with it? What a coincidence. You know? Yeah, I, I I say that now. But if they the, if they showed it and it looked good, I'd be like, mm, yeah, squee. <laughs> but I want a Metroid. God damn it! I made my avatar Samus on. Oh yeah, I mean, this is it. This it's time, guys. It's, yeah, it's time. We got a great new system with all kinds of potential and a hungry audience for it. I don't think Let's I'd want a Prime, it. though. I, I, I kind of... I believe I'm saying not. it, but I want it to be the new JRPG system. Yes. Yeah, yeah I'd yeah. be happy with that. Yeah. They've, already, they've already announced uh, an SMT, 
Um, and yeah. Oct- mm-hmm. Octopath Traveler looks really cool. Doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, yeah. I really love that sort of shoebox diorama style they've got going I on. Picked, I almost Me picked too. up I Am Setsuna for it, like just because uh, it's all. Just, I know, I don't think I'll like it. <laughs> skip it. <laughs> it's all right. It's, it's just. It's a, a good yeah. first shot, right? Some wasted potential there, but yeah. Hopefully, yeah, a lot of wasted potential. The question is: Is SMT going to be like the uh, SMT4 in Apocalypse, or are they just going to use yeah. the assets from Persona 5 and just be like, "Ah, screw it"? I don't know because that that trailer shows the Odin redesign from Apocalypse. So I mean, right. I'm hoping it's not just going to be like a, a HD Apocalypse port. I'm hoping it's going to be something oh. new and fresh. Oh, no, be, I don't want that. Yeah, I, you could see them just doing four and Apocalypse together as one game, though. Right? Oh man, what what a way to celebrate the 25 year anniversary! God, that would really suck. I've got Shin Megami Tensei three. Uh, I've got Nocturne right on my desk right now because I was trying it out on my PS2 emulator, and I'm like, oh man, that game curb stomped me so hard. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. It's a very unforgiving game. Yeah, uh, I I got pretty far. I want to say I got like two thirds of the way through, and then I was just like, ah, they they really did make Demon Summoning so much better in the latest entries like being able to carry skills through like that that was key for me as not having to like sit there and try to fuse demons over and over again to get the right combinations like Mm. done a really good job with that uh so i guess we could lightly touch on torment and then call it a day yeah torment tides of numenera oh man the game where you can talk yourself out of everything. Which is kind of awesome, to be honest. I think that's cool. It's very much a game made for a specific type of role player. And uh, some of the critique, or, well, I guess description the of the game that I heard before it came out was that it's very much just like, uh, it's text. And I heard some people saying, oh, if I wanted to re- read that much text, I'd read a book. And it's like, well, what's wrong with... I mean, visual novels are a thing. Like, why can't we have a game that's really text-heavy? That If that's what you want, that's great. I love reading. I mean, that's why I like RPGs so much. So uh, I will say that if I, I have... So I've been playing some Torment. I have two issues, and I, I feel bad jumping straight to issues without talking about the rest of the game. But the two issues are... I've roughed off on you, Derek. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? The two issues are, one, it runs like absolute shit on the PS4. Even Ooh. a PS4 Pro. It runs yeah, so on a badly. Yeah, which is why I'm waiting to play it and haven't played it more than, like... I played it, like, three hours, maybe. Uh, it runs horribly, like, constant frame drops. It's glitchy, like, no. Um, I had a crash on me. Yeah, it's not good. And then the other issue is that it's just so... It's not. This is less of an issue. This is a subjective thing for me. But it is so dense that it's kind of intimidating when you first Absolutely. start playing. Uh, it's not because it it does take place in the same universe as Planescape Torment because this is a spiritual successor to that. It's intimidating for me who never played Planescape Torment to start this game and be like, okay, I get that this is a new story in an existing world, but I have no idea what's happening in this world. Like I don't know any of this terminology and it gets thrown at you very hard and fast. So there's still plenty of explanation for all of that. It's just, it is so dense that I almost, bulk at the idea of absorbing it. It's like, eh, I don't know if I want to do this right now. Like, it's it's a big commitment for me to sit down and learn all of this. Uh, but it's that's no fault of the game. Come, come prepared for, I've found. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. It's uh, not, not a bad thing, though. It's just very heavy, and I think there's a certain type of player that they made this game for, and those people are eating it up, which is great. And I, I'm excited to dig into it more. I just, it performs so badly on the PS4 that I was like, nah. They they announced that they are looking into that right now yeah. though. 
Um, I, I really want to play this game, and we, we talked a little bit on the pre-show, that I need to either uh, shit or get off the pot when it comes to CRPGs, because I have tried so many of them, and I've just had an issue with everyone. Divinity is way too hard for my taste, and I, I was not interested at all in that story. Wasteland 2 was way too fiddly, and I didn't want to screw around with that. And Robert, you were saying the controls on that on console were pretty bad. Unbearable, absolutely yeah, unbearable. I should have bought that on PC. Uh, Pillars, I liked it. Um, you know, I started it and I, and I was getting into it, but I, you know, something just didn't uh, strike me. Tyranny, I started playing and then I got distracted with something uh, and I, I fell off of that. I, I really want to like these games, but I think what it comes down mm-hmm. to is that I don't want to fiddle around with a whole lot of stuff. And it seems like Torment is really, like you were saying, it's almost visual novel-esque in that you're going around and talking to people. But apparently everybody seems to think that when the combat does start, it's kind of the worst of the whole bunch. Like, mm-hmm. unbearable. I mean, from what I've heard, I mean, outside of the tutorial, like you may not run into a battle for eight or more hours. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's one of the things I find exciting about this game. I mean, the CRPG is really trying to replicate the tabletop rule set. And I think combat is kind of like one of the more boring things that you can do yes. in tabletop. Robert, you and so. I, we, I need to fly out and we need to play some tabletop RPGs because hey, all we, my buddies want to... We might get our opportunity in... in, in <laughs> Eddie, yeah, because all my buddies want to do is play combat in tabletop games, and I hate it. It's so boring to me. Like not adventurous at all. No. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, well, that was my thought, really. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. the, so you can avoid just about every combat scenario in this game, right? Just talking your way through it, and you get these points that you can use to kind of like buff up your ability to complete mm-hmm. a task, right? Right, because the the game doesn't treat combat as a separate scenario so much as it every everything is a crisis, and it's a crisis that you can resolve either by bluffing, uh, you can use your charisma, you can be stealthy, you know, whatever it may be, and you have the three pools, uh, sort of ability pools to to take points out of and use those to like buff a specific action. So if you're gonna, you might you might also have passives depending on how you build your character for things like, you know, I'm better at doing stuff that involve. Uh, having deft hands, or I'm better at stuff at night just because. So those bonuses play into it as well, and so you can sort of just up the success rate of anything you try to do by using those points. And you're playing it with a controller. How how does that work? Is it pretty good? Uh, it's okay. It's un it's a little unwieldy, but um, I think that's just the nature of a CRPG on a controller. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had similar issues like with Darkest Dungeon on PS4. I had a hard time getting used to that just because. It's so menu-dense, and I wish that I could click stuff. This is another game that I wish I... Like Robert, I wish I was playing this on PC. Mm-hmm. But um, it works. I mean, it's not ideal. But. I, think, I think that's the other thing, is when I'm playing a game of PC, if it's not a shooter, I tend to get, like, really crypt up, like, at my desk. And, like, then that kind of hurts me when I'm trying to, like, read a whole lot of text. Like, when I'm playing Doom, like, I'm right up against the, like, computer, mm-hmm. like, mouse in hand, like, really into it. But I can't find, like, a good relaxed position to play, like, one of these RPGs. So the idea of playing Torment with a controller is actually really appealing to me, to just kind of, like, sit back and read the text and, like, mm-hmm. let that world wash over as well. I, I can appreciate that, yeah. It's, uh... 
I, I would I would prefer PC controls just because of how clicky it is to get through all the menus and tab through your inventory and mm-hmm. uh, like allocate skill points and stuff. I just, ugh. but yeah, that being able to relax, especially with something that is so text intensive, for you to be able to sort of like sit down and take it all in and not have to constantly be up in your screen. I get what you mean. Mm-hmm. Dormant is pretty cool. I think it's going to be a lot better after a patch. So I will wait for that and uh, report again once I played it some more. Yeah, that's what I'm doing with Final Fantasy 15, and I'm still. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, you'll be waiting a while. Oh, yeah, you, know, you want to talk about reception coming around? Uh, I find personally, anecdotally, once again, uh, I'm kind of boomeranging on not boomeranging. What word am I looking for? It's not a 180, but I feel way less positively about FF15. Really? <laughs> yeah, I was I was pretty frustrated with it, right? You know, in the first place, because I felt like the story was incredibly underdeveloped and we've had extensive conversations on this podcast about how the women in that game are just written terribly and you know there are so many things that just kind of go unsaid or could have been expounded upon and i i appreciate them having a linear experience in the second half of the game but i just think they didn't do it well anyway so yeah i think it seems like the more i sit and and let final fantasy 15 simmer in my brain the more i'm like god damn it that game i'm mad at it Come join the dark side, Derek. I've no, been there since it came it. out. I just think it does such a, a good job for the first half, and then the second half is like... See, I'm still, that, I'm still in that first half, and I'm like, oh, I, I kind of like this. Like, I have issues with it. That one stealth sequence can just go to hell. That's the other thing. Like, uh, and I, I got this playing Final Fantasy 15, and I got it a little bit playing Zelda. Like, can we stop with stealth sequences in games that are not stealth games. Yeah, like, that needs please. to happen. Yeah. Like, it's, please. It's Said it before, why is that in Life is Strange? Like, uh, like there, there's one part in Breath of the Wild, not to go back, but, like, you, you have to pick up this specific type of arrow around this enemy that is just, like, super strong. And the game really doesn't tell you you should not fight this enemy. So what did I do? I tried to fight him and he killed me in one hit. So then like I had to do this extended stealth sequence in his vision he could see me from like a mile and a half away and I was like guys none of this is fun. Like like this is it's again one of those moments where like I think because developers want to add new experiences into games. It's like oh well we got to do this because it's a change of pace and they just need to ask themselves is it fun? Like yeah. cuz if it's not that should probably tell you something. Uh, Derek, did you play Resident Evil 7 yet? Mm, no. Well, I mean, like, for a hot second, but not really. No, I just I watched roommates play through most of it. So you need good. to do that. That's a, that's a, I've seen that's, most of the game. I've, I've seen good game. all the relevant stuff. That's a really good game, and I really hope that they expand on that, because that, that, to me, was so far, like, my 10-hour, like, I had a lot of fun with this, and I'm glad I played yeah. it, and I'm done with it, like... Where, you know, Zelda's maybe a little long in the tooth, and I'm a little intimidated by Nier because of how long it's going to take, and then Persona 5's going to come out, and that's just going to be the rest of my year, like, you know, <laughs> like, literally, because it's a school year, like, it's, uh, it's too many games, there's too many games, it's nice games. to play something that I can finish in 10 hours. I'm legit stressed about how many games are out, on the, like, I think I'm the, the <laughs> it's fall... Just at, at least for me, I, I was looking at the release schedule for the fall, and there isn't a whole lot I'm really interested in in the fall. Like, ooh, oh. Shadow of Shadow of Mordor 2. Like, ah, oh, yeah. Wait, we'll we'll really? see what gets announced after E3, That's huh? Oh, yeah, Shadow of War. Ugh. I mean, there's, yeah, there's stuff all the way up through, like, July at the very least. But, yeah, fall. I mean, yeah. Mario Odyssey? And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll play that. I will play that. Uh, but I will like, play it, that. 
Uh, isn't I, um, isn't Ease Eight coming out in the second half of the year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some stuff already. Yeah, there is, and and I think Robert's right. At, at E3, you know, we're we're getting to a point where the development, uh, or excuse me, the marketing schedule on games is a lot shorter now. I mean, think about it. We only had six months of marketing for Resident Evil Seven. We're only going to have six months of marketing for Shadow of War. That's fine. It's probably yeah, how no, it should I think, be. I think it's I think it's totally great, and I'm I'm excited about. It. I like the fact that like you know you see a trailer for a game and you're going to be playing it in six months. Like that's really cool, and I really like that. Um, yeah, but for the Shadow of War guys. Can you just not make it Tolkien? Like, I would honestly play that game if it wasn't Lord of the Rings. It doesn't need to be Lord of the Rings. I, like, I thought that game, that first game played fine, but, like, any other world. Any they should other make it world. Lord of the Flies. <laughs> can I, like, wait, wait, wait. Okay, let's work this out. So I can, like, sneak up on Piggy and, like, slit his throat. Okay? Like, oh, go with yeah. me on this. Oh yeah. No, just like any other world. Like, why not just get the make it a Dragon Age game for God's sake? I don't know. Like, just make it something. Like, it doesn't like the fact that it's a world that is has so been there, done that, and it's kind of sacrilegious. Like, I, I, don't do that. Like, make it something else. Just make it the Batman game that you all wish it was. Just murder Batman. Just Ben Affleck just killing people for thirty hours. Yeah. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Okay, I think we're all tired, right? I think we're I think we're done here. <laughs> yeah, I think good. we're done here. I I'm going to continue not playing Breath of the Wild for the day because I want to kind of want to kind of lick my wounds and relax a little bit and then try to get back into it. And uh, I have to have it done by what is it, April fourth? Is that Persona? That's right. Yeah. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. So uh, thank you everybody for listening to Random Encounter. As always, please send us any uh, emails. Derek, do we have any emails? Nope, didn't think so. Okay. Yeah, so we probably uh, don't. No, nobody loves us. Uh, so for Derek, Caitlin, and Robert, thanks for listening, and we will see you all later. Till next time. See you in Hyrule. Bye, Felicia. Near or far, wherever you are. Oh, <laughs> to use that there one. Is. Oh, There's the episode stated. title. Yeah, that's no, I, I, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. See you on the horizon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right, I'm stopping this. We're killing it. We're killing it. Stopping this. <laughs>